You're scaring me, Ryan. Nah, it's a joke. Oh, you can. Okay, you're not a fun guy. Okay. I mean, you are a fun guy, but not a fun guy, you know? Anyway. Hello, interwebs, uh-huh. and welcome to. <laughs> puns. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, we're talking about The Last of Us from HBO, the new drama series based on the acclaimed video game, which, if you listen to Close Up in the last. within the last 10 episodes or so, you'll know we're fans of it. We. Not as much of part two, more on Ryan. I like the game more than he does. But anyway, we're not talking about part two yet, although it may come up. Anyway, spoilers for the show ahead. All right. So into our medium Wait, shot. Me under the bus there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an unpopular opinion, not liking The Last of Us part two. I think yeah. like just me saying See that, what, um... you'll have gained legions of fans and I'll have lost mm. a bunch. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going to pull up I'm going to pull up quotes a lot from like Twitter and stuff, but uh someone asked Neil Druckmann, "Hey, when you adapt part 2 into season 2 and then on, do you think what do you feel about the audience's reactions to it? Do you think they'll be as hateful as, of it?" And he just simply goes, "I don't care." <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'm making I'm making the show, show that I way. wanted and I think so, that's what his mindset was like going into part 2 to start. I'm doing it my mm-hmm. way and uh, screw the haters. But anyway, into our medium shot now. What was your hype level like for this show? My hype level was pretty high, but I was also skeptical at the same time because there's. Listen, everybody knows the, video the, the whole history first. of adapting video games to, to TV and people like to call it a curse. I'll give you a brief but history. It's not even a of curse. The, you said everyone knows the history. I'll give you a brief history. Uh, it's bad. Pretty grim. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not many successes. People are like, that. oh, like, is there such a curse because it just doesn't work on screen? It's like, no, it's just the people who are adapting it don't understand the story or they try to rewrite it to make their own story and make it. There's too many cooks in the kitchen whenever they're adapting stories. And what you need to do is just hire the guy who worked on the game, which is what. HBO and Craig Mason did when they brought on Neil Druckmann to be the showrunner, who is also the co-president of Naughty Dog, but also the creator of The Last of Us. Inspired choice. Yeah, I was of Mm -hmm. a similar mindset going into the show. I had a little more faith the moment I heard Neil Druckmann was going to be the showrunner. Well, I don't know if he was showrunner or producer. If that he was in charge, showrunner. Yeah, that he was the showrunner of the show. I immediately had faith. And also that they were going to be using similar score to the game. They may have brought back the composer too from the game, did yeah. they? Yeah. So I heard they brought they back Neil Druckmann. I heard they brought back the composer and I was immediately relieved of my burden for thinking this might be another failed adaptation. I knew they were putting in the care to bring back the right people behind the scenes. And when I heard the casting of Pedro Pascal, I was also happy to hear that. I'm like, well, you know, I like him and stuff. And, you know, I know he can play this story. I've seen him do it already. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. He's got two shows. He's got two shows out right now where he is a father figure. He's a surrogate father figure. I keep making that joke to people. I'm like, hey, you want to watch that Pedro Pascal show? Uh, Yeah. Which one? 
you know, the one where he's a stoic badass <laughs> who has to take care of a child and bring them back to where they belong on a grand Which adventure. One? <laughs> Which one? Yeah, that one. <laughs> the Last of Us. Oh, oh, I thought you went The Mandalorian. Both are great. No. But, uh, yeah, so that's, well, let's go into our close-up. No, I mean, mean that movie with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, no, I love that. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. You didn't mean to go yeah. there, but now I have to say, go watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. <laughs> it's just Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal bromancing on an island for a couple hours, and it's delightful. It was one of my favorite love movies that. of last year. He's just a Nick Cage super fan. <laughs> so let's talk about the last of us show you have any thoughts to start well let's go into our close-up now uh it's great end of episode <laughs> no i mean it's like it's insane how and after watching the first episode i was like wow this has potential to be the greatest adaptation video game adaptation to screen of all time counter that and i can say I watched the first episode and thought, I don't care how the rest of this show goes. They already did the best video game adaptation of all time. One episode was all I needed to say, you're better <laughs> than everything else. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's just so much love and care put into the show, not only by the showrunners, but literally everybody who was working on this production, the actors, the script writing. I mean, a lot of it was Craig Mason and. Uh, Neil, Neil Druckmann, Druckmann, but and if you don't know, if you haven't watched Chernobyl, go and watch that. It's a fantastic show. It's really simplify uh, simplifies how the Chernobyl disaster happened to someone who's not as smart like me, and just goes to show how messed up the Soviet Union was with keeping secrets and why keeping secrets from the mass public could ultimately could put them in danger. But anyway, enough on Chernobyl. The Last of Us already has a great story from the video game. It is this, uh, we're getting to spoilers, it is this father who is trying to, or it's this older man who, at the beginning of the apocalypse, lost his daughter in the most brutal way, and then 20 years later, he has been surviving throughout the apocalypse, fighting, killing, just in order to survive, and all of a sudden, there's this teenage girl who comes into his life and he's been hired to take her across the country in order to uh <clears throat> in what? order to potentially make a cure but he doesn't care about the, uh for he the doesn't outbreak. care about but he doesn't that care about all. that he's just looking to get a what ticket he really to his cares about Tommy. is getting yeah and it's funny how they make it a bit better in the game where in uh, sorry in the show because in the game it's just oh this guy's rob robert stole our guns and gave him to Marlene, uh, and, and Marlene says, if you take Ellie across the country, I will give you back your guns. But in the show, there's extra value to it, where if you take, you know, if you take Ellie all the way to the, the courthouse, well, actually, first it's the courthouse, sorry, it's not all the way across country yeah. yet, but if you take it to the courthouse, I will give you the battery, which will get you, which will allow you to get your truck started up so you can go and see Tommy. That adds more stakes, personally, to the story. Not that the game doesn't have stakes and doesn't have, you know, you're still interested as you're going along, but it just adds more of a um, urgency to the characters. 
I don't think I'm going to be doing a whole ton of comparing between the game and the show in this review because I played the game once about 10 years ago and I do mm. remember a decent chunk of it but at the same time like a lot of it is really just recap from what I've been reading on it lately in articles so I have a lot mm -hmm. more immediate connection to this show although I do remember what the game did well uh, versus the show and I'll I'll probably talk about that more because there are some things I think the show improved on the game and some things the game yes. still did better which I, I don't know yes. if you want to get into some of those right now or if we can or you want to talk more about the show first and then get into an adaptation yeah yeah bit. I think we could talk about our our positives about it first where what I really loved is how the acting, particularly Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, they are very similar to the game, but also their own take on it. Whereas scenes that were written for the show are, you can just believe right away, yeah, that's Joel, that's Ellie. Like um, the our first introduction to Ellie in episode one, where the she's being held up by the fireflies and she's being forced to stay there just in case she turns and she like does the counting thing she goes fuck you to the one mm. guy's like yep that's ellie fully believed her that's not in the game at all and um it's the same goes for for pedro um when he's uh you know 20 there's many moments like in the present day where i believe to his joel but when in the post-apocalypse where a firefly tries to recruit him he just goes talk to me about entering the light and i'll break your jaw it was like, yep, that's Joel. <laughs> that, that's Joel at this time. So I think they nailed the casting. All the people who were like, hey, I don't know about Bella Ramsey, I, they were wrong. You know, I, I could understand from maybe a child actor standpoint where they're not as, you know, they haven't developed all their skills yet, but it's Bella Ramsey. I mean, she's been on Game of Thrones. She commanded every scene she was in on that show. And she's a fantastic actress. Yeah, they uh, they both really give it their all here. Uh, like I said, I was especially excited to see Pedro Pascal, and I think he's got the best moments in this show. I was thinking one of the first ones that I know it's a little bit half it's halfway through the show, but one of the biggest standout moments for me is that conversation he was having with Henry, and Henry's like, "I know you were a father once," and he just communicates so much without mm -hmm. even really responding to Henry. He just is mostly silent for that conversation. I think his big moment of the season is when he's having his near breakdown in front of Tommy, where he's saying, man, I'm getting too yeah, old to I'm handle so this. I don't, I don't think I can bring her all the way. I, I need you to do it. And he can't handle another loss like Sarah again. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I liked how they both get to show more vulnerability as it goes. Both of them are very guarded at the start of the series even ellie who in the game was if i recall a little more innocent and vulnerable um this ellie puts up more of a tough front tries to wants to kill everything always wants the gun which joel doesn't mm -hmm. want her to have and joel doesn't want to let this little girl into his heart either he just sees her as a nuisance really which I think the show does kind of a good job of making her seem a bit like a nuisance too. I didn't really warm up to her <laughs> immediately either, other than the fact that I knew Ellie from the game and I knew I would like her more later. But just trying to be objective, she was kind of annoying at the start. But I also think that was intentional. And as it goes, 
you warm up to her just like Joel did. And then by the end, they're both real raw with each other emotionally, which is great to see. They're having heart-to-hearts, and both of them aren't really putting on this tough exterior anymore, and it's just getting to see the layers peeled back on these characters over the course of the season is one of the best parts about this show. It's um, it's really emotionally resonant television. It's about opening your heart mm-hmm. to whatever vulnerabilities may come with that. And, you know, Ellie has a fear of abandonment. Joel has a fear of loss. And they complement each other nicely, just like in the game. It's so good. One of my favorite moments of between Joel and Ellie is in the last episode where Ellie says to them, time heals all wounds, and this is right after Joel tells her that he tried to kill himself, um, saying, because late, uh, early on in the show, he said the scar on his forehead was from a guy who shot and missed. Well, it turns out, and then he says, I'm the one who shot and missed. It was after Sarah died, he couldn't figure out he didn't know what to do for the rest of his life, so he thought he'd just end it. Goes to put the gun to his head, and he actually flinches before he pulls the trigger. And, uh, yeah, so, and then I saw somebody that, else point out that that also explains the deafness in his ear. It could, yeah. Yeah. It I could. mean, you put a gun right next to your head and fire, that's mm-hmm. probably going to deafen yeah. you. But after that, um expresses that to her and then Ellie says, Yeah, time heals all wounds and Joel just looks at her and just goes, It wasn't time that did it. And the look that Bella gives Joel or Be- yeah, Bella gives Pedro at that moment was like, holy crap, like I understand you in this moment. And it's just all a lot of the show has so much subtle acting, it's amazing. And I think the bond between Bella and Pedro is so good. Their chemistry is off the charts. And man I could see the show sweeping the Emmy uh, Awards. Oh, for sure. I could see it. For sure. Everybody gives a fantastic performance in this show. And Mm -hmm. because I really think this show, beyond Joel and Ellie, this is is a double-edged sword. And I want to get into this because it's one of my biggest things about this show is that a lot of it's not really about Joel and Ellie, which is kind of funny. Uh, to make that choice for this adaptation. Every episode is about somebody different. Episode 1 was about Sarah. Episode 2 was about Tess. Episode 3, Bill and Frank. 4, Kathleen. 5, Henry and Sam. 6, Tommy and Maria. 7, Riley. 8, David. And the last one's about Joel and Ellie. But for the rest of the show, it's really just Joel and Ellie as the audience stand-ins going through all these other people's stories. They weren't really the focus of the show for most of it. They were just kind of the characters we saw every episode on their journey across. They were not the narrators exactly, but kind of the equivalent in that way. And that's why it's a double-edged sword to me, because as someone who played the game, I loved seeing these other characters finally get their stories fleshed out a bit more because I was curious about them in the game and, hey, great, now I'm more emotionally attached to these people. It makes the world feel so much bigger. It tells stories that the game never got around to telling because it's 
Well, you're playing as Joel, so you're very locked into his perspective and whatever Joel's doing at any given time. Whereas the show, I don't want to say Joel and Ellie are treated as an afterthought, but, well, because they're not, but they nearly feel secondary in many ways. And I just don't know how that plays out for people who haven't played the game, because I knew their story already. I was emotionally connected to their story already. So to me, getting to see all these other characters was a bonus. But for somebody who's never played The Last of Us, never has an emotional attachment to The Last of Us, I don't know if they're as attached to Joel and Ellie as I am, or you are, uh, at, at this point. I bet they are. Because, like, like you said, yes, there's focus, there's focus on other characters, but there's still scenes with Ellie and Joel in them. Like, the yeah. Bill and Frank episode, it was almost an hour and a half, and there were, at least I can tell, two great scenes with Joel and Ellie where there was one at the beginning where they're dealing with the the outcome of Tess's untimely demise and Ellie just straight up tells Joel like look I know you're pissed whenever but don't blame me for something that's not my fault and I've actually been listening to the HBO podcast that's um ho- uh, hosted by Troy Baker and he talks to Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann about like each episode and I've almost finished all of it but he's uh in that moment Ellie Ellie does think it's her fault but she's putting up this front where she's trying to protect herself so there's all these little subtle things and then later on in the episode you see you have that confrontation not confrontation scene but that discussion again of um Joel saying look here's some ground rules you don't talk about tests ever and yep. um it's another scene where he's trying to deal deal with loss and with episode 4 we talk about with Kathleen, she's probably in two, maybe three scenes, but a lot of it is Ellie trying to joke around with Joel, and then by the end of the episode, finally gets a laugh out of Joel. So I can understand your concern. Yeah, with, I just know for me that, that, but I bet you, I by bet the you end, people resonate with them. By the end of the show, for me, I just know that speaking for me personally, I didn't feel as connected to Joel and Ellie as I did by the end of the game, and I do think that's because there was so much focus on. The supporting characters. Once again, I did I did love that, and it wasn't it, it wasn't bad by any means. I did still feel a connection. I just felt like not cut the rest of the stuff out, but like give us one more episode just to you know, or a couple more great scenes. I just like in the game you're spending all your time playing as Joel, and the scenes with Ellie. You know, Ellie's there with him as an NPC and. All the fights you're doing, she's always there, and they're having banter just even when you're doing nothing, just kind of going about things in combat. Their relationship builds through your playing. But in this, we are only seeing them when the show wants us to see them, just for the most emotionally resonant moments. And then they skip over huge chunks of time in their story. They go months forward at a time, and their relationship progresses off camera for a lot of this show sometimes between episodes they'll have very much changed and the previous episode does set up the seeds of that change enough that we buy the next bit but we don't always see the progression and that left me just a little bit hollow by the end i just wanted maybe one more episode in there just to stretch it out a little bit more i think that's all i would have needed for it to be perfect as it stands really good but that's just a gripe I had by the end. 
I think that's a plus onto the show, though, because you just want to see more of these two characters. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I want more is not really a terrible yeah. criticism by any stretch. But because uh, I, I no, liked everything, sure. I, I liked everything we got. I just wanted more of it to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I don't know why there was only nine episodes and not ten, because yep. I doubt it was from HBO. It might have been a Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann thing where this is the story they wanted to tell. Because HBO is not going to cut off Craig Mason's budget after Chernobyl. Let's be honest here. Well. And because um, the, the talks about in the podcast was like, what's the video game thing you want to, or what's the thing you want to do? Um, you want to adapt next? And he says, I really want to do Last of Us. And he couldn't do Last of Us for the longest time because... I think there was a rights issue going on that some studio had bought movie rights for it or adaptation rights, but then it expired because mm. they didn't do anything with it. So then finally got to do it. But yeah, I I don't feel the same criticism as you do, just because I yes, think sir. the scene the it's I think it's just acted so well between those two that I believe this relationship from start to finish. And I don't know if and a huge criticism of the show is there's very few infected. In I've the heard show. that a lot too. And I think, I bet, and I bet you, if there was like an episode, there was a tenth episode, but it was sl- slotted into the episode seven mark where it's Ellie and Joel fighting off infected, but it's not really any other big story points in the game, because they've na- they nailed every major story point in the game, yep. like they they nailed they did every single one. Everything I that feel was like there, that would have been great. considered the worst episode because yeah it's cool action but does it really develop their character as much because so i don't know what they would have done more in terms of story they would have had to make their entirely new um like new plot device or new uh new situation so yeah yeah it's my it's a tough one in defense they were pretty efficient with what they had but I'm once again, I'm, this is another one I'm of two minds on because part of me agrees with those critics who say I wanted to see more infected, give the show a little more action. That way, if every episode had a little more infected action in there, well, then maybe we could have gotten a 10th episode in there for for the plot. It might have padded it out just enough, given us more action, which can also build character if done right. See how they're cleverness to get out of a situation or how brutal Joel is or how um, not good a fighter Ellie is at the start. Uh, There's ways to build character through action and it might have padded it out just enough that we got that 10th. So there was ways to do that. I also understand why they don't use the infected though because this is very heavy focused on the drama and the character development and that's what the show seems Mm -hmm. to care about. The infected are really just window dressing to make this world have a cool backdrop. Which feels like a little bit of a waste, but I also get why they didn't do more. That and the prosthetics are probably a whole lot of work. And <laughs> The infected criticism I completely disagree with because this in the show it's a lot more grounded where... They even say in episode 4 where um, they're camping out in the woods... And Ellie's like, aren't you afraid of infected? He's like, no, nah, they don't really huddle around here. They're usually in, you know, we're bigger, like in the big cities, there are a lot more of them. But out here, there's not really anything for them to feed off of. 
And also, um, Troy Baker said it too, because he does a lot of promotion for this show, where he says, this isn't a zombie show. It's not a show about zombies. It's a show about love and how each character deals with the emotion of love, all the good things about love and all the bad things about love, which happen, the bad things about love happen in probably the last two episodes. But also, if you have Ellie and Joel running into Infected every episode and them getting away every time, they're just gods now. Like, you, and it's just, you're kind of just kind of like, okay, like, I know they're going to get out of this situation. So every time Infected showed up in the show, it was a huge deal. Almost at least one major or minor character died in each part. The they were scary. Very first, the, only, the only clicker scene in the show is scary and it shows how dangerous they are. If they came across another clicker, Joel probably would have died or Ellie probably would have died. Or that and bloater. Let's, that bloater scene was amazing. So it makes you wait for the action. And uh, it's very Game of Thrones in that sense, like the first few seasons where it's a lot of dialogue, it's a lot of character building, and then you get to the action and then it's phenomenal. Like that bloater scene is really good. Um, I heard that was that cul-de-sac area for that bloater scene or with the sniper when he's shooting at Joel and Joel has to flank around him. That was all built from the ground up. Really? Uh, That was amazing set design. Uh, Yeah, the production design on this show is fucking incredible. They did... they. Like, spared no expense. It's so good. It's one so, of the best I created get, worlds I've seen in a long time on TV. Yeah. A lot of care was put into making the, like, even from episode one and two, just seeing the, the, the QZs so and, the, and the ruined buildings. And yeah, okay, some of the, like, mm-hmm. landscape shots looked a little bit green screeny sometimes, but when they were actually on sets, they looked fantastic every time. It's just when they or were when outside. they're out in the woods? No, I was think I'm thinking more like the first episode when they first see the city skylines. Oh, and like, gotcha. Like that okay. stuff looks backdroppy, yeah, yeah. green screeny, whatever. But like when they're actually inside, it always or in the woods, it looks great. All the mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic. But yeah, like I understand. Design. I understand video game fans being upset that there's not as much infected. But do you not know, who do you not know how many times you died in the fucking video game? Like, I bet you there's nobody who's played The Last of Us on the hardest difficulty on permadeath and grounded who, has, who hasn't died. I, like, I bet there's one person, but he hasn't bragged about it. I see people joke all the time that for anyone who complains that last episode was too short, they say, that's about the length of the chapter if you don't die once. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming those are yeah, people Yeah, I wish who that actually... the final episode was, like, a little bit longer, but I don't know what else they would have added, because... With the time they had, they used it very well, which a lot of shows don't do. But with The Last of Us, if they have a shorter episode, they use that runtime very well. And then when that final credit hits, you're like, oh, fuck, that's it. But you don't feel like you're missing anything. Yeah. Also, the draft was real. Did you know that? Everything else is blue screen. Really? The draft is real. I couldn't tell. And that's. I couldn't tell either. I'm like, is it? Is it looked real? I'm like, that's a great effect. See? Oh, wow. It's a real draft. That's Everything cool. else is blue. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for them. I think that... I was like, added... how do they do the interaction with the ton and the... Uh... <laughs> that adds a lot more to it, because I bet you Bella Ramsey's reaction is real then. Just her delight at... Yeah. I have a draft. lot of funny photos. <laughs> 
from Twitter that I have. But I also have statements as well that I'll get to the end here as well. So but, yeah, um, what, can so we talk about? Can we talk about legacy actors for a second making their return? Yeah. So we have, uh, well, obviously uh, Troy Baker and uh, Ashley. <laughs> Troy Johnson. Baker is James. Yeah. Uh, who are the other? Ashley ones? Johnson. Ashley Johnson playing Ellie's mom, Anna, is so perfect and so beautiful. Just a great choice. I was infatuated with her. Every moment she was on screen, she acted her heart out. Um, the fact she gave birth to Ellie twice in in life is, is really special. And yep. I think that's a great casting choice. You know what was funny about her to me? I knew she was going to be in that last episode. But as soon as the shot opens mm-hmm. on the woods and you just see, you just see her running. I could tell just by her grunts that it was her. That's how yeah. iconic her voice is. It's so funny. And then she says her own name. It's like, oh my god, it sounds like Ellie saying Ellie. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny. Jeffrey Pierce's Perry with the best beard I've ever seen in my life. He looks so cool. Yeah. And a, fu- a funny thing about that character is. You think he's the one who's running things. Like, that's the guy who looks like who's running things. And then you have this yeah. other character, Kathleen, who is the epitome of a Karen. Where, I'm gonna be honest, watching her give that, like, one speech where it's like, and kill them all. I didn't like it. I didn't like her delivery on it. But the way that character's set up, she is not built to be running this group in this world. That's what her brother was for. She's a mo- lot more violent person. She's a lot more. You know, yeah, she didn't seem like, like that compelling a leader, but she also seemed at the yeah. same time psychotic enough that I wouldn't want to say no to her either. Exactly. So it, it, it's and it's it's and it was like a weird performance for me, but she still she stood uh, still did a good job. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Meryl Dandruff as well as Marlene, and she played Marlene in the game, which is really cool. I think she's the only one who played the same the character as her game counterpart as well, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But she's fantastic as, to, as well for what little time she had. Also, um, there is a small... Did you notice a small cameo or see a small cameo in episode nine? Um, maybe. You remember when you said when you thought Abby was going to be in it? Technically, oh, uh, Laura, Laura Bailey made a cameo is. Is, the, is the nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she plays one of the nurses and she took this really funny photo where it's like her That's dead fantastic. dad and then her posing. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Somehow I doubt she's playing Abby in that scene for a couple reasons. I mean, some people might theorize that. No, she's I... just playing the nurse. Yeah. Some people it's thought not, it's they not actually seen Abby, Abby, but it's just, yeah. Some people think they may have seen Abby there, but I don't know. Yeah, I thought I saw Abby too, but that wouldn't make sense. Why would Abby be running away? I was surprised you know I mean? that, well, because she's only like 16 at the time. She wasn't a trained fighter yet. I guess. But it's, um, I was surprised they didn't show a little bit more of her because I thought they were going to take this opportunity having written Last of Us Part 2 and the game is out at this point that, oh, now we're adapting one. We can sort of retcon Abby into that so that the show has a little bit more fluidity going forward. It's not like she'll appear out of nowhere. Or maybe they, but I also kind of like the way they did it as well. 
Like when Joel just mm-hmm. walks up and caps the doctor in the head, no hesitation. The show doesn't make a deal about it at all. Almost like he is just a random guy and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Which might make I also it like more interesting he... later. Because we, ma- we know it matters. Yeah. I also like he didn't kill the other nurses or doctors. Because in the game you can. But he doesn't do it in the, uh, <laughs> in the show. So I was like, okay, mm. he's got some, he's got some uh, morality to him. A little bit there. I think that last scene to show Joel's brutality, it felt different watching it than playing it. It felt even mm-hmm. more brutal and, oh, this guy is, yikes. <laughs> He's kind of a monster. Yeah. You start to feel bad for the Fireflies and just watching the show. No. They're a terrorist organization. <laughs> Taking down fascists. It's a very, it's morally complex. It's Not funny, that, yeah. No, I, I know. It's funny because yeah. both groups are like both bad, but they also try to work towards a common goal. And that's why I think the show and the game do very well where there's no good group. There's, and you hear that a lot between uh, Riley and Ellie's discussion with which group is better because Fedra is very fascist and tyrannical. And then you have the Fireflies who are trying to fight for the people's freedom, but they're also potentially blowing up innocent victims as well, trying to take down Fedra. Yeah. So I it's just very... Think for, me, for me, what made it worse emotionally than the game is that, to me, Marlene seemed a little more confident in the cure than in the game. In, mm-hmm. the, in the game, it was a little bit more wishy-washy from what I remember. They're like, well, it might work, it might not, but we got to try. Whereas in this one, she was really confident about that. So the fact that Joel just murders them all and doesn't give Ellie the choice again, like he does the same thing as in the game, but having them be more confident about the cure working just made it worse for me. Uh, well, not worse narratively, but just way more morally gray. And that's why I didn't feel as good about Joel slaughtering everybody. Cause I'm like, oh, you're trying to save your daughter. Like you couldn't at the start. I'm still rooting for you and you're probably still right. But when this comes back to bite you in the ass and next season mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm not like I I get it more now. I'm not as a hundred percent on your side this time as I was in the game when I was playing you doing it. Because of course when you're playing Joel in the game, you're in his mindset. This is a hundred percent the right thing to do in this scenario. And um yeah, of course, this is what you'd be doing. But in the show, you see more points of view. You see how people are reacting to Joel slaughtering them. And you just, I don't know, you just feel a little bit bad, even though he's probably right. But it's not yeah. like the show was, um, um, they did paint Joel as a very morally gray guy. Moral, Joel doesn't think of himself as a good guy. And... You know, he admits he's done a lot of bad things in the past. He's killed a lot of people who were probably innocent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and this is just him going full monster mode. The other thing I thought was good about this ending, though, is that going back to the action, because the action was pretty scarce throughout the show, every enemy felt like a massive threat. Every person they had to get into a gunfight with, every infected it was mm-hmm. all the more powerful that you weren't just mowing down all these enemies. And then right at the end, they show Joel was like, this is a, what a protective father does. 
when he's got some training and the opportunity. So that just made the ending all the more badass because Joel wasn't mowing down guys left and right the entire show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the ending's done very well, and it's, um, it's almost adapted beat for beat. I think, well, yeah, it basically is, and uh, I, I think it's just done so well, and I think Joel knows it's wrong, too, because he could potentially be dooming humanity from getting a cure, but at that point, he doesn't yes. care. He has lost so much, uh, and we've been through this journey where he's lost so much through Sarah, through Tess, Henry, and Sam, Bill, and Frank. He's, you know, he almost lost Tommy after having how many arguments with him throughout his life and he's he's sick of it he's done with it and now marlene and the fireflies are about to take away his surrogate daughter who he's built a relationship with and ellie um has the same feelings towards him and again he's not given really in his eyes he's not given much of a choice because they aren't giving ellie a choice again if ellie was awake he, she'd probably be like, yeah, sacrifice herself to save humanity, but they didn't yeah. even give her that choice. So he uses that as a crutch to be like, fuck all y'all. I'm going to save Ellie. You're a bunch of dicks. And Roll of course day. he is. Yeah, and we agree with him. Well, like I said, though, unlike in the game, I agreed with him just a little bit less. I, I could see his perspective just like the first time. But I wasn't 100% on board. It's like at the end, you know, it feels even more brutal, like when Marlene's begging on the ground and he's still like, yep, you'll just mm-hmm. come after her. Bang. Well, yeah, Bang. I get it. But also, also, she was unarmed. She may not have. She probably would have. But like, would have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I get, I get both sides. Marlene wasn't a bad person either. She probably didn't deserve no. that. But you also. What I liked about the. What I liked about um, what they added on to Marlene's story is she knew Ellie's mom and yeah. Anna told her to protect Ellie throughout her whole life. And Marlene said, you don't understand what this means to me as well, because in a way she's kind of been this overbearing, not really in Ellie's life, because I think they only met at the beginning of episode one, but she's the one who put her into the Fedra orphanage because... I guess she thought it'd be safer for her than being with the Fireflies. And yep. uh, finds out later she's, you know, she's uh, not, she's immune to the virus. And then finally introduces herself and like, I knew your mother, blah, 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 blah. And she, in a way, might feel like she's losing her friend again, but she's really willing to sacrifice her for the rest of the world. Whereas Joel isn't, because even though Marlene has experienced loss before, She's she has not experienced as much loss as Joel, and it's 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 a very complicated situation where it's like, would you save your daughter if it meant the world were still be in this outbreak? And for a lot of people, they'd say yes because a parent's love for their child, you can't. There's no there's no measure of it. There's no like there's no meter that maxes out. It's it ju- it's just is there. It's what it is. And you can't combat that. And I don't think you can really blame Joel for what he did. I don't remember where I saw it. It may have been just a random comment in a uh, in, um, forum I was reading. But I thought they noted something really interesting. 
when the guards are ushering Joel out of the room and he slowly just stops walking and they have to push him along. Mm -hmm. The comment noted how Joel admitted earlier that he really had nothing left to live for and no reason to keep moving forward, just like after Sarah died. And he physically can't move forward anymore without Ellie. So he, yeah, you know, yeah. So that's what that was. He just, he actually just couldn't keep walking forward without her. So he goes back for her. I also really love the ending. It ends the same way in the game where she says, swear to me, swear to me. Everything you said about the fireflies is true. And Joel says, I swear. And then there's that moment where you can argue, does Ellie believe her? Does Ellie believe Joel or does she not believe Joel, but he's just going to accept uh, the situation? And honestly, I believe she doesn't believe him at all. She knows oh, yeah, he's no lying. One. Yeah, she knows she's lying, but she's too afraid of the truth. So she just accepts it and moves on to Jackson, which I'll be honest. Apocalypse or no, I want to live in Jackson. It looks like a nice little town. <laughs> It looks the funniest. <laughs> the funniest line in the entire show is when Tommy realizes they're communists. Oh yeah, <laughs> what? What? No, we're we're not communists. <laughs> this is a comedy. We're literally communists. And he just frowns. He goes, "Shit, yeah," because <laughs> yeah. he joined the army to fight communists. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. He's just like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Oh no, oh. what have I become?" It's post-apocalypse turned me into a communist. Mm -hmm. That was one of the nicest moments of the show, though, is when he finally gets to Jackson and he and Tommy hug each other. So good. It reminds me of a scene in in Game of Thrones, again, where there's a reunion between two characters. It had the same... It's not, like, shot the same, but it had the same vibe, where it's like, aw, these two characters have been away from each other for so long. Because if you had never played the game before, you probably wouldn't know if Tommy actually made it out. You don't know what you're Mm going to... Like, if he would actually find him, or if he was prospering, yeah. maybe you assumed he'd find him, or that he'd die. But for people who haven't played the game, it's probably a shock Tommy was surviving and thriving. Hmm. Well, in the game, you're not really looking for Tommy. You just kind of stumble upon him by happenstance. You're at this, you're at this dam at one point, and then uh, all of a sudden you see Tommy open the door and be like, that's my goddamn brother. And it's just like, oh, Tommy's still alive. That's that's great news. Where in the show, again, they elevate the story more where Joel is trying to find Tommy because that's his family and he knows, uh, Tommy knows stuff about the Fireflies. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's a great addition from the... Uh, they all, didn't, uh, they also added that Maria is pregnant in this version. Tommy never had kids yes. in the other game. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a nice addition too. Did you see Dina? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. I told. It's I could funny listening. It was her listening to the podcast where it's like, um, where they're talking about it. Troy asked him, "Is like, and do we see Dina?" And like Neil Truman goes, "What? What do you mean? <laughs> like, because they don't want to spoil anything yet." But I feel like she was uh, thinking Last of Us Part same. Two. Yeah, I think in Last of Us Part Two they hinted at what happens in the show is how they first met, where. Uh, she just sees her from like across the across the cafeteria or whatever. But yeah, I was like, wow, that's probably Dina in the next season or two. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like to. Uh, I love a lot about this show. I will look forward to it every single week. I love that they're doing episodic. I mean, um, weekly episodes because that's the joy of television, where you come back to you know your family or your job every week and you discuss. Oh, did you watch the episode last night? And then you discuss it. And yeah, that's what you I and love I did. We, TV. That's was part of the fun of it. Was you and I going over it every mm-hmm. week? And hey, what'd you think of this week's episode? Oh, it was great. How did you really feel more... that they got rid of they got rid of got spores? Rid of... Um I think it's one of those equal but different sort of changes. I really like mm-hmm. the idea of that uh that network that if you hit the vines yeah. or whatever, they all come running. Whereas That's a really the, good Whereas what what do the spores do? They infect they just infect you, right? If you breathe them in, yeah, they get. If you breathe them in too much, you start coughing, and then you get infected. But Craig Mason has said that um, if spores were, if we're doing spores in this grounded reality, then everyone would be infected because they don't just stay in real life. Spores don't just stay in one location. Like if they're air travel, if it's an air travel virus, everybody's fucked. Like let's be honest here. But yeah. uh, that was one reason to get rid of them. But also, I think he said another reason was he wanted just to be able to show the character's face. A lot more because I was gonna say you know, that's that's a it would be TV. silly to put Pedro it would be silly to put Pedro Pascal in a helmet or something for the entire show and not show his emotions every time he's got to go into a building yeah that's a joke from a podcast they stole from where they're talking about the Mandalorian <laughs> you know what we know he can do it uh, he can get by on a whole show with a mask he can uh but yeah I don't I didn't really care about that one i want to see the tendrils i want to see that system being like part three i mean some it maybe takes a little bit of tension out whenever they go into buildings because that was always um one of the cool moments of the games oh crap there's spores put the masks on and usually it's the deepest darkest parts of the basement you know what i Mm -hmm. finally realized about the infected that i never caught on to before recently what mushrooms grow in the dark so it makes sense that the infected get more brutal in the darker environments you get you only get bloaters and clickers who have been locked into dark buildings for years at a time whereas all the surface ones are just runners they don't look that much different than people that's interesting. I, I didn't realize. I that. never clued into that before recently, and it's just only because Justin started growing mushroom a mushroom culture of his own, and he told me that they grow in the dark. And we just also happened to be talking about The Last of Us in that same discussion, and I'm like, "Wait what a minute, is that cluster? why clickers and bloaters are a thing? What kind of mushroom cluster? <laughs> just regular mushrooms. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm being, yeah. I'm just asking." <laughs> he's got a green th- he's got a green thumb he loves cacti as well that's his main plan that's cool the last of us may have inspired him to do mushrooms mm. <laughs> he's growing cordyceps uh <laughs> that's, what, that's what i said he's gonna ruin the world oh yeah let's talk um, about uh the beginning for a sec. if we're talking oh, about different okay. uh adaptation things i love how this show started those first couple minutes were amazing. They go all the way back mm-hmm. to the 60s and everyone's laughing off that Great guy on the talk open. show. Yeah. Until he starts talking more about it. And then even 
me knowing what the story is, I'm like, oh, I'm actually really invested now about the science behind mm-hmm. all this. Well, if the world was to get warmer, though, and this is an actual virus that exists in our world, too, that yeah. mostly happens with ants, but... So it, it really is unnerving. It sets it up mm-hmm. really well that, oh, this actually could theoretically happen, this mm-hmm. kind of apocalypse. And what's, and what's even more messed up, it adds on the reality of, you know... Someone knew about this. Someone knew this could potentially happen. And it's yeah. just a hu it's just a human thing to ignore potential tra- uh tragedies uh until they happen. Yep. It ju- it just I mean, look what happened these past three years. You know, people, you know, Obama has said for you know longest time, hey, if there's a viral outbreak, we're not ready. Like we're not ready for it. He said this back in like twenty twelve. And then, well, the, I've heard the big one was the SARS outbreak in around 2002. That was one of the first yeah. ones where people were like, uh, we should be ready for something even bigger. And then everyone just kind of dropped the ball on it over the last 20 years. Oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> please. Oh, man. Please, policymakers, don't drop the ball again. <laughs> be ready this time. I don't want to have to lock down for another two years. No, that would be uh, tragic. Let's see. What else did this thing do differently? Uh, I liked. We went to Jakarta. That was really cool. Jakarta. That was cool. Like, so what do we do? Miss scientist lady who knows all about the fungi. Bomb them. Bomb everything. It just adds so much weight because it's like it's the one thing that you don't want to do, but it's what's necessary. And are you powerful enough to do that? And I love how they expand it on more. It was more of a theory in the game how the Cordyceps virus got spread around, but it's through, you know, the flower system that they get from Jakarta. And it's in that's how everybody got infected in all one day. You know, people eating cake or people eating um pancakes which joel couldn't do because they ran out of pancake mix or didn't get the cake which is a little wink wink but then they kind of just explain it (laughs) in episode three so how do you feel about those kind of things because that reminds me of another thing i thought about this show is that makes me scared for real life (laughs) well no not that it just this show goes out of its way to answer a lot of questions that the game intentionally left as mysteries like how did cordyceps become a thing why is ellie immune those sorts of scenarios. I liked it. I liked it because it allowed... It. Yeah, I liked it because it allowed um, video game fans, especially me, to kind of come back every week to be like, oh, I could learn about what this theory was. And, uh, and you know, maybe they'll explain it here because maybe there was an opportunity to do that in a video game. But in a narrative show... They're able to do that. So I appreciate that they did it. And it wasn't, and it's not like every episode is exposition dump, but for the first couple ones, they were explaining a lot. And I I liked it. Yeah, I'm a little more mixed on it myself because I don't always like when things feel the need to explain everything. I think sometimes having a little mystery into the lore makes it more interesting. Like, nobody really knows how this happened, and it's just kind of one of those things where that just nearly makes it more interesting. Like, forgotten truths are just nearly more enticing sometimes than having everything explained to you. But, once again, well, this I think is one that of those works. things... 
This is one of those works things in where the, I feel is It works in the video game, though, because... It works yeah. in the video game because you're following Joel throughout the whole time. So you don't have Who any other... Know well, and Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't know everything. There's no outside world perspective. But through a narrative television show, you can tell... You can go to so many different places. And it's not like they went to Europe and then Paris and then, <laughs> you know, Scotland. Uh, but they just went to Jakarta to see, like, oh, how did this infection started? And... It's, I think it's really well done. It's real quick. It's a great cold opening. And, uh, but yeah, I can see, you know, how some people be like, yeah, okay, you don't have to explain everything, but yeah, it's nice for the small for, people. I just feel bad more for the people who are just watching the show, right? Because people like us who played the games, we got to have that mull over that mystery for the last 10 years. But people who are mm-hmm. experiencing this for the first time will just know right off the bat. They'll never have to wonder. So that's why sometimes I wonder that this show might be better for the fans than first timers, because like I said, you finally see what other supporting characters were up to. We get more fleshed out backstories on characters we always wondered about. We get answers to the mysteries we always wondered about. Get to see more characters like Ellie's mom or and whatnot, um, which is, but people who are just watching it, there's not as much mystery. The focus is less on Joel and Ellie than it was in the game. Like, it's all good stuff they're doing. I just, I just wonder if the show will have the same cultural impact as the game for that reason. And it's for, oh, those, reasons, it 100%. It's for those reasons I think the game is still superior. I would rather play oh, through well, the yeah. game again. than In terms of adaptations, this is, don't get me wrong, still the best video game adaptation by Miles. But I do think the game is still better at um, obviously at building that connection, at making you uh, invest yourself into the world by asking questions about it, even if those questions are never answered. It's just, but that's kind of just the nature of video games in general. They're more investing because you actually play through them. Yeah, you are the character. This show basically just decides to do a stealth playthrough for you. <laughs> you never really go guns blazing because yeah well this joel is way more skilled than you are just saying pedro pascal is better at the last of us than you it's true and he's smarter <laughs> yeah he's smarter about taking things out because i bet you uh no there nobody in the show is trying to sneak up on a clicker to take it out they're trying to actually avoid the clicker which i think is smarter because every time i've tried to sneak up on a clicker and then i realize they don't have a shiv <laughs> it's <laughs> it doesn't work out very well but that's one of my favorite things about the show is whenever they had a reference to the game about mm-hmm. a gameplay mechanic or something like when um when there was that sniper and then joel went up to the sniper's perch and then just took the rifle that's after. a great I'm addition like, that i'm like that's a video game thing that feels very video gamey or mm-hmm. in episode nine when they were trying to climb that high rise and joel looked up to the to the next level and he asked ellie uh it's like i'll give you a boost get up there and hold down mm, the ladder that's to in the me. video like, game yeah that's that's a game thing too which is mm-hmm. why i'm only slightly disappointed we didn't get the masks for the spores because that's another iconic thing in the game yeah but they just they hit all those core beats of what it was like to play the game one thing i kind of hope they do in season two though is a really stylized effect of being able to hear through the walls because that's another iconic I thing. I kind of don't. Do. <laughs> no? No. 
because it, it's more of a it's more of a video game thing. Like, how do you do that in in the show? I think because they didn't do it in season one, I don't think it would it just be kind of jarring season two and everyone would be like, how the fuck do they know this? And it's not it. Uh, maybe they could do it where I don't think they should go with the whole black and white route. But maybe you just have Ellie perched behind a. uh just like behind a table or whatever, and you can see her, just see her acting intensely, listening, and then yeah, just like close her eyes away, and then see yeah. and then see the silhouette fading in the background, like they do in yeah. the game. Just like her I heard, shows. Yeah, I heard. Uh, for how they're adapting part two, it's not going to be all in season two. They're going to do some of it in season two, and then some of it in season three. So we're technically getting two seasons of part two, which is good because part two is like a 25-hour game. The Last of Us part two, a huge chunk of it is composed of flashbacks anyway. Yeah. Between like a little bit after this game, Mm -hmm. I I don't really want to spoil anything for part two this late into it just because we didn't warn people up front, but uh, like there's a lot of- like, there's a lot of stuff between Ellie and Joel in the flashbacks. There's a lot of stuff with Abby in the flashbacks and her father. Um, there's a whole lot of time between the end mm-hmm. of this one and part two. And also, Ellie's a lot older in Last of Us Part Two. She wasn't as old in those flashbacks. So, I think it makes sense to do that stuff while Bella Ramsey is still younger. Let yeah. Bella Ramsey age up into where Ellie was in The Last of Us Part mm-hmm. Two. And then by season three, you'll probably it'll feel more believable. Because Bella Ramsey well, have... at the age go ahead, go they ahead. are now, yeah, Bella Ramsey at the age they are now, I don't, I don't see them doing what Ellie did in part two. It's not, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. believable to me. For sure, at this and time. I think they're taking their, I think they are taking their time, and season two won't happen till a couple of years from now, kind of like they're doing with House of the Dragon. But I have a statement here from Craig Mason saying. Yeah. Quote, it will be different uh, f- about season two. Um, what will be the difference between season two and Last of Us Part Two? It will be different just as this season was different from the first game. Sometime, sometimes it will be different radically and sometimes it will be barely different at all. But it's going to be different and it will be its own thing. It won't exactly be like the game. It will be the show that Neil and I want to make. But we are making it with Bella. Some of the notes that have been released so far are... Um, are as Bella Ramsey will return as Ellie. Uh, they will be more infected. They will cover okay. the last parts of the Last of Us Part Two story. Won't co- it won't cover the whole game. Filming could start later this year. Uh, new kinds in- of infected are coming. They will the expand. Yeah. yeah, they will expand upon the tendril system with the infected. Could see the inclusion of spores. Abby and Ellie changing perspectives. So I guess we're going to yeah, cut back sense. and forth between those two. Side character stories, just like Bill and Frank, um, i.e. Wolf, uh, Sarah fights Jackson, etc. Release date will be likely around 2024 or 2025. Apparently there's going to be a time skip, obviously. Yeah. Joel and Ellie's relationship post-season one ending will be heavily explored, and Ellie's violent path. That is all okay. from Dom the Bomb on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you need to see more of Ellie's backstory. You only you already got everything you need to know in episode seven. I don't think it. I don't know. It's nothing about her backstory. Oh. It's just her violent path. Violent. So it's just well, her violent going. Path. Oh, I heard violent yeah. past. No, no, no. Path. 
Pass. I'm like, we've seen the violent past already. <laughs> she killed her best friend in the mall. Which is a mall in the episode because people. I think. It's the DLC. I love the mall episode. It's the I don't DLC. know why people shit on. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. But I don't think she explicitly says that she kills Riley in the game. I think that's an add online in the show. Right. Yeah, I, I, don't I get love why that people, episode. I, I get people crap on it. Um, what I'll say is I understand why people think it killed the pacing a little bit. It feels like we ended on a great cliffhanger on episode six. Joel gets stabbed and then we have to wait a whole other episode just to see how that sort of resolves. But they, they don't really go in. Like Ellie helps him a little bit in episode seven. But it adds seven. so much to Ellie's character though. Well, that's what my thing is. Like I like the episode. As as an episode, but it also kind of kills the cliffhanger and the pacing. So I get both sides there, although I'm more on the side of liking it because it's a good episode. I feel the same way about episode three. I'm like, does it kind of kill the pacing? Yeah, but the Bill and Frank episode is just a really good episode of TV, so I don't it's care. One of the most, it's one of the most beautiful episodes ever put to television, Bill and Frank episode. It's Post-apocalyptic so love story. Great idea for just a episode of tv and they handle it really well mm. it's the most deviation from the games by far but oh, i don't sure. but i don't care <laughs> it was great well, what it is in the game you're going through in the game you're going through this really awesome sequence where it's you bill and ellie traveling through bill's town trying not to get killed by infected or bill's traps to get a car and then you see the bloater for the first time in the iconic like gymnasium at the high school section. And then yeah, that section uh, took me at one so point, freaking long. <laughs> noob. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> then, uh, I had like no Molotovs at that point. <laughs> What's I was like Fernando Molotovs. <laughs> I was like out of crafting at that point. It sucked so much. Uh, and then at that's why I was uh, waiting. Point, I'm like, oh, are they gonna do the school? Are they gonna do the school? And then they didn't do the school. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish they did the school, but uh, I guess you know the bloater scene we got in episode five was really cool. But uh, yeah, and then eventually, uh, you go into this random house, and Bill goes, well, that, and you see this man hanging from the ceiling, looks like he's killed himself, and Bill goes, oh, that's Frank. Troy's like, who the hell's Frank? He's like, he was my partner. And there's so much subtlety to that in the game who Bill is, where Bill in the game is gay. For people who complain that he's gay in the show, he's gay in the video game too. It's just it's very just subtle. subtle. Yeah. He's got gay porno mags that Ellie steals. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's all we know of Frank. And there's a note later on that you can find, which is very missable, where Frank says, living with you was hell. I don't really like you. I'm going off my own. And like I think the last thing he says to him is like "Go fuck yourself" or "Go to hell" or whatever. But in the yeah. show, you actually see the love story between two middle-aged gay men, and it's one of the most beautiful, just well-crafted stories ever told. Where it's not all positives, it's not all ups. It's these two opposite attract people. Where Bill is very close guarded. He's still the same survivalist, like in the in the show. There's a little bit of Ron Swanson in him when he goes over to that Home Depot and he's taking I just, stuff. I just saw this character as like, what if Ron Swanson survived the apocalypse? That's really, yeah. that's really what Bill is. 
I think Nick Offerman was an excellent choice when I saw so him. Good. I was like, oh, yes, great choice. And a lot of people were like, really? Nick Offerman was like, have you not seen him dramatically act? He's phenomenal. Uh, and Bill, uh, sorry, Frank was really good, how he's more of a nurturing type of guy and very complimentary. And they just, they complement each other so well. The chemistry is really good. And yes, it, it brings it down. It does slow the pacing down a little bit, but you still get that scene with Ellie and Joel at the end being like, yeah. okay, here's what we're going to do. And that was one of the most, and they go off in the car. That was one of the parts that got me the most emotional in the whole show was seeing them uh, listening to Bill and Frank's tapes on the way out, and then that mm-hmm. pan back into the, the window. Uh, into the bit, yeah, into the window. Yeah, all that's just really sad. And that was the point of the show where I'm like, "Damn it, I'm invested again." Mm-hmm. You got me in the game. You got me here now. It's um, really good. Yeah. The uh, the Bill and Frank episode's got so many great little moments in it. Uh, but I think the part, not even, not in the Bill and Frank episode, but I think the part that got me the worst, and I, and I knew it was coming, but it still got me, was the end of episode five when Henry killed Sam. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. That was my point. That was like, that was the most emotional I got in the whole show, right at the halfway point. Like, damn it, I know it's coming, but it sucks. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't help. Add... That, it didn't help that. Sorry, he, go ahead. It didn't help that they added from the game that Henry's never killed anybody before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or the first Sam person he killed. Yeah, and the first person he kills is his little brother. And that scene before where Ellie is like trying to, I don't know, maybe she's the cure. She tries to use her blood to help Sam and just mm. stay with me tonight. Maybe I'll turn. Maybe I won't. But. <laughs> Ah, so sad. I had someone, I had someone ask me. Was like, but he, she put her blood into his blood. Sure, if that worked, and I was like, are you not? Have you not <laughs> paid attention in, in bio class? <laughs> That's not how it works. But yeah, that and they they bring this up in the HBO podcast. But uh, where Sam asks Ellie, when you think people are still infected, are they still there? Like in in their mindset, and when they wake up the next morning. Ellie's talking to Sam, but he uh, he doesn't hear her. He's not. So there's still. Anymore. It's so sad, but it's no. It's like he can't hear her because he's deaf, right? Oh well. That so too. a part of me, part that. of me was like, "Damn, Sam is still kind of in there. He's still deaf, and he's still." And then he, it's just it's a, it's it's so so sad. I watched that episode right before work, and I was like, "Oh no, whew, man, that'll depress you for the rest of the day." Mm-hmm. Or funny enough that actor though who played uh who played sam he was invited to like a washington capitals hockey game and then oh, yeah. he met uh alexander ovechkin and there's this great interaction between them two it was really cool really sweet. that's awesome oh and then there's the moment where they dig the graves for henry and sam and ellie just leaves the note on <sighs> sam's little drawing I'm board sorry. Just, just sorry yep damn Ouch. Uh, let's see. So they really, I think they really nailed the uh, desolate vibe of The Last of Us, especially the mm-hmm. Boston QZ, the military fascist rule, uh, where it honestly didn't seem that bad at first, but it slowly unfolded. Uh, they do a really good job of immersing you in this world. It feels, if this wasn't an adaptation, I think it was just a really cool post-apocalyptic world, too. Just mm-hmm. 
like we said, the production design is what really sets it above, but they just make every place they go to feel unique. Everywhere from Boston feels very different from Kansas to Salt Lake City to the forests to they all have their own vibes to them. Mm-hmm. Just narrative. You see, some people were mad because in the game it's not Kansas City, it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> so it Whatever. Like, oh, do you take this away from Pittsburgh? But there's a like a real life reason for that where where they were filming, I think it was either Edmonton or Calgary, it just looks more like Kansas City than Pittsburgh. So they just changed the city. Yeah. I, guess I bet it was people sense. from Pittsburgh who were like, How dare you take this away from us? <laughs> okay, so <sighs> uh, Yeah, so I'd say, how is it as an adaptation? Well, I think it hits all the key beats I remember. Gives us more. Mm -hmm. Um, That last episode in particular is basically just a scene-for-scene remake of the last chapter of the game. If people are whining too much about it, and I'm like, I I don't know what you're whining for. This is as close as it can get. Which maybe isn't always easy for as easy as this for adaptations for video games because a lot of video games are a lot more not as linear as the last of us if you screwed Mm -hmm. up a last of us adaptation it's like i have no hope for video game adaptations going forward yeah because it's very straightforward you just have to cut out the filler gameplay moments in the middle like how do you adapt a game like i don't know if you did um Red Dead Redemption or something Red like Dead Redemption, that. Like really most open, of it's just yeah. yeah. Most of it's just kinda him wandering Marston wandering around the old west doing fetch quests and side missions and escort missions and oh, let's just shoot up this random thing, help the cops run away from the co-. like you could just play through the main story, but that doesn't give you a lot of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. You know? A ge- an open world game like that is just you put you spend more time doing anything but the main story. So to just adapt the main story feels like you're missing out on so much. Whereas mm-hmm. something like The Last of Us, you can there really is just the main story, so you can get away with just telling that. So I don't really know how to do a good video game adaptation because it's <laughs> never gonna feel right. Well, not never. You most and of most time. of Hollywood. <laughs> like I said, you can do you can do the core premise. Better than most adaptations have done it. There are core stories in these games that you can tell in movies or shows. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's always going to feel like there's a lot missing. Just by by design. How do you adapt a 60-hour open-world game into a two-hour movie? You make 12 seasons. (laughs) Yeah, even a 10-hour show is cutting a lot out most of the time. For Although sure. I will say, I think The Last of Us has cracked the code, if only to say miniseries is better than movies. No more video game movies, do mi- video game miniseries, at the very least. I'm going to make a prediction right now that the success of The Last of Us TV show is going to spark for the next 10 years of video game adaptations because of how successful it's been. Just like how in Iron Man in 2008, Sparked the whole MCU to get really going. That's my prediction. That we're going to see the next 10 years of video game movies, video game shows. We're going to see it. It just needs the one. 
All these genres just need the one. And I think now's the time to do yeah. it with the superhero mm-hmm. movie genre on the decline in the public consciousness. People are getting superhero fatigue. The movies are getting more generic all the time, losing quality consistently. And now we finally have a video game adaptation that nailed it and it's getting rave reviews across the board. Let's keep the momentum going. I want to see. Now, I'm not as into video games as comic books personally, so I'll feel the loss more myself. But you know what? Trends have to change. Every decade pretty much has their own thing. Uh, You know, I can tell you the main kind of genre going back all the way 100 years, but, you know, maybe the 2020s will be video game movies, like the 10s were for superhero movies. So. That'd be cool. Yeah. Someone tweeted at a uh, at Corey Barlog where he said, um, <laughs> who is the director of God of War uh, 2018? He says, now the pressure's on to make this TV show great. And he replied back, was like, great, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are making a God of War show, right? On Amazon. So they got Amazon money. Yeah, Amazon money doesn't always help. What you don't it. know is is unlimited <laughs> apparently well amazon made rings of power though the money didn't is not always the problem you can have a big pretty. budget show i know i know you have a funny enough though rings of, rings of power had the same composer for the god of war games the modern ones so baron Corey, mm. and he does That's interesting an excellent job i just think rings of power is a good proof that Huge budget doesn't always mean good quality by the end, even if you have unlimited mm-hmm. money to work with. It's about the people working behind it's the a real, scenes. It's a real polished turd of a show. Yeah. It's going right back to the beginning. It's about the people working behind the scenes, guys like Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, who give mm-hmm. a crap. Oh, yeah, and I have to shout out the score as well again, because it took me mm-hmm. right back to the game, even from the opening credits. The music just feels right, because it is. The same too. Like it's the little details that really draw you in. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this show. Amazing show. I love it. Yeah, I'd say it's a it's a must see show if you haven't already. But if even if you haven't played the game, yeah. And what's funny, (laughs) what's uh, well not funny but smart is that um, Sony has done an excellent marketing thing where if you go on the PlayStation Store. And uh, it says, now you've hit, now you've watched the hit TV show play the game that it was adapted from. It's like a, it's whole, it's whole, uh, yeah. oh, like other menu for it. I was like, that's smart. Well, isn't it kind of funny that they just re-released Last of Us 1 remastered for PS5? Right when the show well, came out. Well, they're releasing it, uh, they're releasing it for uh, PC, I think, on the 28th. All that too. Part 1, at least, yeah. This it's was still not- full price, but whatever. Not coincidence. <laughs> no coincidence. Well, it's funny. They have two options where you click it and you're like, I have seen part one. And or I have seen uh, the show and it takes you to the part one buy menu. But then it says, no, I haven't watched the show. And it takes you to part two for some reason. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. that. Hmm. To me, that was really funny. So I do think both the show and the game complement each other and. In- Uh, in multiple ways if you're Mm -hmm. someone who's never seen this who doesn't really play a lot of games and has never played the last of us this show will get you into the world and probably make you want to play the games too and i highly recommend you play the games too or at least just the first one 
Um, part two is optional and you will love it or hate it. Depressing. But, but at least play the first one. So I think that's kind of your gateway into the games. And for people who played mm-hmm. the games, the show complements the game nicely because it gives the answers to the questions we've been asking for the last 10 years. Fleshes out the side characters more, as I keep saying. So I think it's got, this show's got something for old fans and new fans alike, which yeah. is a hallmark of a great adaptation. Mm-hmm. Perfect balance. As all things should be. Should be. Yeah. I didn't mean to make a Thanos quote, but it had to be at the end. <laughs> I was going to as well. Uh, yeah, so that's all I got to say on it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have really much to say. Except, uh, well, I guess it's like a small critique, but at the beginning of the show, I was really worried because when they were doing scenes like word for word from the game, it didn't feel as impactful as to me as it was in the game and maybe that's just because of how the take they were using but as it was going on it got better and better and better so yes like the the one like joel's reaction to um tess being not not bit but when tess is like scrambling and he goes no it's over in the game he like screams at her and i was waiting for that but we didn't get that in the show and i was kind of like oh man we didn't get an iconic and also if you like the show and you like the video game they actually did a live performance, like on theater, of the voice actors Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. They did like the iconic scenes. Watch that on YouTube. Mm. It's really well done. I think I have seen clips of that. Also, before we close out, I have to counter myself from the very beginning of this podcast, where I, I made the audacious claim that Ryan would probably compare more to the game than I did. And I think I did way more comparisons. <laughs> in the last hour than you did. Um, so I was wrong. I'm going to call myself out on it before everybody else does. Just well, so you know. said most of them, so. <laughs> I know. But for me, it'd be like, it was like small details in terms of comparison with performances where it's not really fair because as an actor, you don't want to do beat for beat what someone else did because what, what's the point? You want to take your own you know, your own work and your own um, performance into it. So, and I think they did a phenomenal job. Yes, they did. Okay, so let's plug our socials and get out of here. Alrighty, well, you can find me at Ryan Walker on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. Very soon I will be doing a Last of Us film essay. So that'll be fun. So watch out for that. Or video essay, not film episode. Film essay. I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thoughtplay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Ellie. That's my Troy Baker. <laughs> <laughs>